from LPL Financial, welcome to Market Signals. I'm John Lynch. And I'm Ryan Dietrich. Hello, everyone, and Happy New Year. This is John Lynch, Chief Investment Strategist for LPL Financial, and welcome to our first edition of LPL Market Signals podcast in calendar 2020. Uh, starting with my good friend and colleague, Ryan Dietrich, Senior Market Strategist for LPL Financial. Hey, Ryan. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you, John. How's it going over there so far in 2020? Pretty well. So far, so good. Uh, you know, we had an up day and we had a down day, right? We had uh, right. a lot of a lot of mojo in the markets, first day of trading. Then, obviously, we pulled back a bit on the uh, the Iraq-Iran news. So, that mm-hmm. was uh, kind of troubling for the second day of investing. And we'll see what this week brings. But uh, before we get into all that, I hope you had a good holiday season. We did, John. And honestly, we probably could talk about what I'm going to mention here for the next 22 minutes, but I'll try to make it quick. On the way up to Ohio. Uh Uh-oh, an odyssey, folks. Yes, I drove 300 miles to Nitro, West Virginia. We stopped. We went to Taco Bell, which I don't like, but the kids like it. My wife started the drive. Within 20 miles, which we later found out we didn't know, but within 20 miles, two of the suitcases, which were strapped onto the back, fell off. Now, I strapped them on. But she was back there kind of tinkering with it. I'm going to throw her under the bus. But nonetheless, I drove 300 miles, John, and they were on there. Christmas so vacation. we get to my mom's house in Springfield, Ohio at, I don't know, 1130. It's freezing up there. You're cold. You're tired. You just drove 500 miles, three kids and a dog. Two suitcases are gone. One suitcase is mine. The other is Gus, my youngest son. I'm like, oh, my God, you've got to be kidding me. Don't know where they are because it's lost. Two days later, I get a phone call from... Point Pleasant, West Virginia, on my cell phone. By the way, John hadn't heard the story yet. The way you're no. looking at me, I haven't told you this yet. Point Pleasant, West Virginia. is like, oh, this is it. This has got to be it, because I knew I lost it somewhere, probably in West Virginia. Always sure. use your bag tag, and, folks. And I had the bag tag, and sure enough, they found the bag on the side of the highway, and we didn't get it until driving back. That's why I was going to drive back last Sunday. We had to go back on Monday, because highway patrol didn't open until Monday. And I go in there, and sure enough, there is my bag. Now, a little thing about now, point- Now, is this police or a good citizen? Like a highway- Well, it was- Honestly, I'm not sure. I think it was more the police who found it, and, and then the mm-hmm. highway patrol got it. But a little thing about Point Pleasant, West Virginia. You ever heard the Mothman, the Mothman Prophecies with Richard Gere? It's a movie. But anyway, mm-hmm. so we go back to get my bag in this little town right on the river in um, West Virginia, right across the from Ohio, the Ohio River. And there's all these Mothman, like this big six-foot-tall Mothman, and he's famous because all these people saw him like 60 years ago, and this bridge, and people died, and you see the Mothman, and bad things happen. And the movie with Richard Gere is all about the Mothman. So my bag's been about two weeks where the Mothman lives. So I think my clothes might be cursed by the Mothman, so we'll see. I don't oh, know. my goodness. Yeah. I'm sorry I asked. I hope uh, 2020 goes better than your 2019 holiday season. <laughs> well, that was season. the end of 2020. But I got my bags back, and I actually went to Kohl's and bought a bunch of new clothes. And I'm not going to, you know, so Kohl's, I, never shop. I don't shop. I hate shopping. But my wife and I went to Kohl's, and I got a whole new wardrobe, and then I found my old wardrobe. Because I had no clothes in Ohio. I was, a whole I was, new wardrobe. I was like a homeless guy. Polycotton poly blends, I That's imagine. That's right. Yeah. You're going right. to see a lot of them in the next couple of weeks here. All righty. So, well, if anyone's still yeah. listening, maybe we should get to the markets. <laughs> exactly. Uh, we lost them. Sorry about that. Obviously, a lot to consider. Um, you know, we'd like to talk about the past decade because it's been a fascinating experience. I've been at this uh, for over 30 years, and these last 10 years were really, uh, I think, the most interesting. And um, uh, 2019, I think it's important. I think it's kind of uh, instructive. LPL Research always has a history of, uh, you know, throwing ourselves at the mercy of the court at, uh, after each year and kind of just looking over what we got right, what we got wrong, and uh, why we got it wrong and you know uh were you fundamentally right and financially poor you know there's always Mm -hmm. debate like that and then finally like you know i do want to i think it's important and ryan and i uh 
discuss this on the elevator like we always do before we do this podcast. Um, we're, we're basically, you know, after the first day of trading of the year, we're within our range uh, of fair value for the full year. Now, we believe a lot of 2020 returns were pulled forward in the fourth quarter once we cl- got clarity on OPEC, on Brexit, on the Fed, on the ECB. Uh, there were a variety of things, phase one on trade. Uh, so we want to we want to talk about that also. I don't want to run away and hide from that. But first and foremost, let's go. Let's let's get to the decade because uh, past ten years we're up what two hundred fifty percent or so. S and P five hundred fourteen percent average annual return total return basis. Right. Uh, quite a period, wouldn't you think? No, it was John. I mean, and you think about the decade, just how the doubt. I remember when I was at a different shop in 2010, we were bullish going on TV. And I'm not going to mention who it was, but I remember who it was on Fox Business. And I gave the bullish, and he literally laughed, like laughed at me on TV. That's how clearly it was so wrong to be bullish. That was in 2010. Right. But the, a lot of this decade, past decade, it sure felt that way. And, and we had about a 14% total return, annualized return. Now, John, what's fascinating about that, and we wrote about it on our blog, and actually in this week's weekly market commentary, if you look at the last seven decades, that's, I'm going to use air quotes, only the fourth strongest decade. The Let's see here, I've got it in front of me. The 90s, 80s, and 50s actually were stronger decades in terms the of returns. The 80s were bigger than this one, that's curious. Yeah, and the thing that strikes me was, okay, so what does all that mean? You know, it's very unique. Most people didn't understand that, I don't think. But it's all about, I think, how bad the 2000s were. Stocks were down on a total return basis to 2000s. We had two right. 50% haircuts. The last time we saw anything like that was the 30s and the Great Depression. So, you know, can this cycle go longer? Can this bull market have years left? You know, we talk a lot about that. But when you think about how bad the 2000s were, maybe, as, and the 70s weren't all that great either. The 80s were good, and the 90s were even better. Yeah. You know, could we have another Roaring Twenties scenario like the Roaring Twenties 100 years ago? Yeah, maybe, oh. I guess. You know. <laughs> I hope not. That didn't turn out that's too true. well. Yeah, 30, well so that's true. Let's, uh, let's, let's have a new normal 20s. Good, good point. But I guess the bottom line is how bad the 2000s were. The, 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 two, the 2010s have been great, but maybe it's always more normal, and who knows? Maybe we can keep going. Yeah, I think there's a lot to be said for a low bar, right? Mm-hmm. Having set during the aughts, if we had a low bar set, um, you know, to one extent, X percent of nothing is still nothing, right? So when you have such a difficult right. period. Um, but I think the biggest lesson uh, of the past decade is the old adage, don't fight the Fed. Mm-hmm. Because we had an awful lot going wrong, right? We had, um, yes. you know, the debt downgrade. We had a couple of recession scares. We had uh, probably more corrections fake bear markets, if you will, that really kind of rattled everybody. But when all was said and done, each time it came down, it came down to discounting profits at below average interest rates, enhancing not only present but future value. And I, I think for investors who were able to sit tight, not panic, and just to focus on the lower discount rate, I know that sounds geeky, but low rates are a tailwind for equities, and I think that's something we all need to keep in mind. Yeah, you mentioned the idea about the recessions. We came close. I mean, you can make some very good arguments, and I'd be in this camp, actually. You know, we had an industrial recession in 2015, 2016. We had an earnings recession, which is multiple. We had, I think, five consecutive quarters of negative year-over-year earnings growth. What happened in the fourth quarter? We had a pretty good slowdown globally, specifically manufacturing. The manufacturing data we keep seeing isn't that great, and you could argue there's a recession based on manufacturing. But by the book, if you look at the NBER 
And actually, off the top of my head, what does that even stand for? Um, National Bureau of Economic Research. I think I do this for a living. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just go by that. But anyway. You stayed at a Holiday Inn Express last <laughs> night. Exactly. We did not. This is the first decade, this past decade, the aughts, was the first decade without a recession. You go mm-hmm. back to data in the 1850s. However they come up with it, I'm not sure back then. But we've never gone a decade without a recession. So that right. just hammers at home. But we've talked a lot about how the average GDP during this 10-year cycle has been about 2.5%. So we're mm-hmm. just kind of meandering along. And that's maybe one reason it can keep going because it's not seen the booms and busts that we've seen in the past. Right, right. So the decade without the recession, we had a few scares. Mm-hmm. And again, that debt downgrade, we had the the 2015 sell-off. Yep. Uh, we had uh, the post-Brexit sell-off. Yes. We had... Uh, I guess it was early 16, even before Brexit. That got kind of scary also. Uh, So it's been a a period where, you know, the Fed came to the rescue. Uh, You know, you had the 2018 performance based on the regulatory environment, the tax environment, and the monetary environment, government spending environment as well. And then uh, that's a good transition to 19, the second part of what we want to talk about today, because 2019 was really characterized by the lone headwind offsetting three or four tailwinds. Now, the headwind being trade, and mm-hmm. if you think about what, what government can do to help drive economic, and to a large extent, market growth, it's, it's regulatory decisions, it's government spending decisions, it's trade decisions, and fiscal policy, whether it's uh, additional government spending or, more, more likely, taxes. So we had taxes as a tailwind, regulation as a tailwind, government spending as a tailwind, and then, but that that offset of trade. I mean, we saw three percent economic growth in 2018. You know, we missed. You know, a third of that was reduced, obviously, to two percent ish last year, 2019, simply because the the trade headwinds, and that really manifested itself in, as you said, Ryan, a manufacturing recession. But keep in mind, manufacturing rep- represents what 15, 16 percent of the U.S. economy exactly. now. So. Uh, that's one dynamic. But, you know, if businesses aren't investing, you really need to, our consumer's been very, very strong, but businesses need to invest to help sustain or elongate the expansion. And as businesses invest, you improve productivity. As you improve productivity, we're producing more efficiently. And that also has a margin impact uh, for corporate profitability. And I think that's been, that's probably the biggest fundamental challenge right now. You know, phase one looks like it'll be signed this week. Uh, yet what we have to be mindful of is, you know, to what degree we are gaining traction on phase two of the China trade deal. And the fact that, you know, we already see the European auto tariffs, for example, being delayed. Looks like we're making progress on NAFTA 2.0. So those are all, those are all positives, yet we Absolutely. have to be mindful of, um, you know, the, the lack of business investment. What would you say, uh, in addition to business investment, uh, any other highlights you would say or lowlights of 2019? Oh, ab- what we got right, what we got wrong? Absolutely. You know, building on that, and you mentioned some of this, if you look at last de- just a second about last decade, the only year that was down on a total return basis was 2018. Mm-hmm. 2018 was 3% GDP, the best GDP we'd seen in 13 years. Also, earnings growth was up around 23 to 24%, the best of this cycle. Mm-hmm. So the best economic backdrop was in 2018 when stocks were actually down. You look mm-hmm. at earnings growth this year, it's going to be maybe 1%. You know, in 2019. GD- 2019, correct. Maybe 1% is not officially done yet. but mm-hmm. And GDP growth is going to be, what, just a hair over 2% probably when all said and done. Yeah. Sure. Equities gained 31% on a total return basis. So it's kind of unique at how that played out. I mean, what, why do you think that was? If their economy well, was so good in 2018, why in the world did stocks go down? You know, 2019 things slowed down. We had a similar experience in 84 and 94, mm-hmm. right? Yep. When the, the economy outperformed the markets. Mm-hmm. And then the next year, 
I mean, you ran the numbers in January, yes. and our friends right. at Strategus Research Partners did a similar study uh, that showed, you know, you have this mid-cycle slowdown, the economy outperforms the market, and the very next year, the market's up by about a third. So this 30% total return for 2019, um, I wish I thought of that in September. <laughs> but now that it's, you know, now that we're discussing it, that, right. that that's happened twice already in, in, in recent memory. Yeah, the, from the lows of the midterm year to exactly 12 months later, mm-hmm. the average has been 32%. From the Christmas Eve 2018 lows to a year later, the SB is up about 34%. I, I didn't I can't believe it worked out that well, but it, it sure did. The lows of midterm years, you tend to see a really good bounce 12 months later. Right. And as scary as Christmas Eve was in 2018, it sure worked out once again. In fact, the return was a little bit better than the average return. Fascinating. Fascinating how I don't expect you guys to be as excited about it as we are because we're kind of geeky about this stuff. But it is amazing how, if you think about the 84-94 mm-hmm. example, how the market rallies. And then, yet again, the example from... Uh, midterm lows mm-hmm. that which a chart we promoted very heavily in the outlook and exactly. uh, but nonetheless it's not all about doing a victory lap right because I was the one touting value I was the one touting emerging you know this is the life we have chosen when you, you when you do forecasting yeah, so, for your career so building on that John so we, we had some hits the misses like you just said I think emerging markets and probably just the yields uh, we were in the camp along with just about everybody else that the 10-year yield was going to go higher yields across the globe. Maybe the Fed was even going to hike a couple times. That Mm -hmm. didn't happen. I mean, what do you think happened with yields? How did everyone, including LPL Research, get it wrong where yields had a massive drop lower globally last year versus going higher like everyone thought 12 months ago? I attribute it to two reasons, lack of inflation and global valuation. Mm -hmm. Um, We had uh, 3% economic growth in 2018. We had a Fed that hiked four times, and in right. retrospect, they should have hiked three times. But then they did the pivot. Powell made that speech in the first week in January last year, mm-hmm. right? Yes. And um, that really Off got thing, that thing got mm-hmm. that got things going. But when you see really what we've been in the, the sweet spot, you know, if a fully employed economy, sub four percent unemployment, but we're seeing wage growth of approximately three percent. Now, the largest cost for businesses remain wages. And if wages aren't rising at a threatening level, typically wages have to rise four, four and a half percent before the Federal Reserve feels the need to slam on the brakes. So we're kind of in this sweet spot. There is a dynamic also, you know, since we don't have the sustainable inflationary threat coming from wages, we also had the lack of goods prices because of the air quote manufacturing recession Mm -hmm. factor in the globalization weight, if you will, downward weight on on pricing pressures. You know, we had a chart in our 2020 outlook with wholesale prices declining and the rate at which they were growing was declining, Mm -hmm. a decelerating pace, if you will, offsetting the rise in consumer prices. And to the degree wholesale prices are a lead indicator for consumer prices, all those three or four examples really kept a downward pressure anchored uh, inflation and also inflation expectations, which, you know, then then translated into the valuation measure globally, right? And that's why, as we said, the, the curve was flattening, not because of imminent recession, but exactly. we thought it was, you know, $17 trillion in negative debt globally. People were willing to pay for a 10-year yielding 175 or 185. So I, I think that was a, a dynamic that really played. And then, you know, just the, the absence of uh, 
alternatives for income for global investors mm-hmm. that also played a role also. Yeah, you know, one of the positives, I guess, about being kind of wrong with the way rates were going to go, bonds had a great year. You look at the Barclays Ag, John, it had its mm-hmm. best year since 2002. Stocks had their best year by the S&P 500, had their best year since 2013. You had a 60-40 portfolio, balanced portfolio, 60% stocks, 40% bonds. You had one of your best years since 1997. Mm-hmm. Um, so, It was a year that was very unique because I talked about this before, 2018. It was the first year since 1969 stocks and bonds were down. Gold and oil was also down for the first time since the Great Recession. 2018. 2018. 2019, Mm -hmm. everything was higher. You know, our friends at Ned Davis Research look at eight different asset classes, stocks, bonds, small caps, you know, EFA, emerging commodities, but there's eight total. All eight were up at least 5%. I mean, mm-hmm. last year, 2019, was a very special year. <laughs> really almost playing catch up for as rough as 2018 was, but it was a definitely a much different picture. And the last thing I'll say, John, then go to you. I heard a number out of 93 stock markets last year in 2019, only Malaysia was down. You told me to talk about a global bull market with participation. Only Malaysia was down last year. So assuming you one? weren't all in, <laughs> all in, in Malaysia, Malaysia, you had a good yeah. year. Yeah, you saw the you saw the um, the Mothman. You saw the Mothman, and then you go invest. You go invest in Malaysia. You had a bad year, but other than that, you know, you probably made some money last year, which is a nice difference from where we were 12 months ago when you saw your portfolio statements coming in. But that can uh, before we go to 2020, right. that can kind of wrap or almost encapsulate, if you will, the decade and 2019. Not only how monetary policy led, but where's the correlation? Right. Or where's the lack of correlation? The fact that, you know, you and I get paid to worry. And if stocks, bonds and gold are all up, much like stocks, bonds and gold being all down in 2018, you know, there there there's something going on here. And we have to, you know, I always joke with investors and say, you're never supposed to say it's different this time, but it is different this time. And I I Mm -hmm. openly say. It's cathartic. It is different this time Let's when the Federal Reserve, yep, mm-hmm. when the Fed has artificially suppressed the short end of the curve for a decade, and you're seeing that in the ECB and the Bank of Japan as well. There's a new dynamic, right? And we have to play the hand we're dealt. Looking ahead to 2020, you talked about the ag being up what five or six percent last year. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll be lucky if it's coupon this year, right? In my est- in our estimation, right? Because looking at the equity market, you know, we'll we'll, we'll just do a summary of. Uh, from a policy standpoint, we've got impeachment to worry about. We've got mm-hmm. the election to worry about. Uh, from the election, I, I, you know, some people have called uh, asking for more in-depth analysis. We don't know what the Democratic Party platform is yet. Exactly. You know, you could be extreme left socialism or you could be more center left. So Super Tuesday in March will really help clarify and we'll be able to provide more in-depth analysis. If you're just looking at the, f- the fundraising, mm-hmm. Bernie Sanders killed it, 34 million, and Buttigieg got maybe 24, Biden maybe 22, So that and Warren I think was 24. So kind of interesting how the yes. fundraising going into Super Tuesday is certainly not favoring center left. It's going extreme left. So we'll be curious to see what the Democratic Party platform will be. And it also, you know, if you have this dynamic between Warren and Sanders going in to the convention. If you have a brokered convention, it's it's hard to have a strong candidate emerge. What was the last one? Dewey? You know, yeah, I mean, I it, I mean it's uh, <laughs> so it's uh, it, it'll, it'll be very interesting. So these next handful of months and then from the impeachment standpoint, hard obviously to get historical data. You may be able to dig up data from 1868, but um, the average investor can't. If you look at the Nixon situation, obviously wasn't impeached. He resigned beforehand, mm-hmm. but that was a bear market. Clinton was in a bull market. President is in a bull market currently. So we'll just have to see and we'll be emphasizing that our investors focus on GDP, inflation, employment, interest rates, and profits during all the uncertainties of the election, the impeachment, 
you know, Iran, Iran, Iraq, North Korea, oil prices, you know, there are a variety of things we'll need to be looking out for. Yeah, you know, building on the Mothman boogeyman, I mean, one of the concerns, I think, John, for this year is the unknown, right? And you see what just happened on, I guess, Friday, killing the high deputy the Iranian general, general in, yeah. in Iran, well, killed him in Iraq, but the Iranian, you know, the uncertainty that geopolitical can play this year, and it is a election year. And right. we all know, you know, what that can bring with other countries trying to not necessarily persuade the election, but just to get their name out there. North Korea has already had it was in the news again. Kim Jong Un said, "Okay, I guess the U.S. isn't going to lift sanctions. So what's he going to what's he going to start to do if if that happens? I mean, we, no one knows this, but that's the thing that kind of worries me. The economy looks pretty good. Yeah, manufacturing I know is weak. Consumer is still strong. Manufacturing does look like it's bottomed. I mean, global PMI around the globe was still over fifty, still expanding right. last mm-hmm. month. Okay, so there's some positives, but boy, the uncertainty out of geopolitical this year could be the wild card. And because it's an election year who's trying mm, to poke us exactly right? and you right. had before the the u.s hit on the iranian general you had people storm the u.s exactly. embassy in iraq this was a pretty aggressive response from the u.s and i'm not convinced people were expecting that so to the degree that the u.s really went very very aggressive now i heard pompeo mention that it was a preemptive strike for the next attack but nonetheless this was a very very aggressive response from the u.s you know we have a history when our our embassy is not safe in that region and 30 years ago, there was one response, or 40 years ago, there was one response. This year was a very, very different response. So it's it's going to be curious to see these next handful of days how everything plays out. But yes, the uncertainty of geopolitics, you and I can't put that on a spreadsheet. None of our analysts can put it on a spreadsheet and factor that in. But that's why it will always be emphasizing GDP, inflation, rates, profits, employment. Those are the things on which we can hang our hat. Okay, John, it looks like we've hit the end of the line here. You mentioned profits. We are right around the corner of fourth quarter earnings mm-hmm. season, so we'll see how corporate America is doing there. So, John had fun this week discussing Absolutely. the decade that was, the year that was, and the year that will be, and the year that might be. So, thank you, John. You bring us home. Thank you, Ryan. Yep. Uh, you know, the market, uh, we just, final point I just want to make is we want to make sure the numbers numbers work, the math works. So we might be at fair value now. Uh, we're maintaining a market weight on on equities, and to the degree that we're able to uh, get clarity on a phase two trial, if there's a risk to our earnings forecast, I think it's an upside risk, and you could see us nudge those up by mid-year, and that would, uh, I think, provide further upside for equities. But until then, we're going to hunker down and make sure we're diversified so we can help our clients achieve their long-term goals. So thank you, Ryan. Appreciate everything. Thank you, everybody listening. I want to wish you, you know, certainly a, a happy and healthy 2020, and we'll look forward to talking to you next week. Stay connected by following us on Twitter, at LPL, or at LPL Research. Please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. LPL Market Signals is presented and produced by LPL Financial. I'm John Lynch. And I'm Ryan Dietrich. The opinions voiced in this podcast are for general information only and are not intended to provide or to construe as providing specific investment advice or recommendations for any individual security. Any economic forecast set forth in this podcast may not develop as predicted, and there can be no guarantee the strategies promoted will be successful. All performance reference is historical and is no guarantee of future results. Investing involves risks, including potential loss of principal. No investment strategy or risk management technique can guarantee return or eliminate risk in all market environments. All information referenced in the podcast is believed to be from reliable sources. However, we make no representation as to its completeness or accuracy. This research material was prepared by LPO Financial, LLC. 
securities and advisory services offered through LPL Financial, a registered investment advisor, member FINRA and SIPC. To the extent you are receiving investment advice from a separately registered independent investment advisor, please note that LPL Financial is not an affiliate of and makes no representation with respect to such entity. The investment products sold through LPL Financial are not insured deposits and are not FDIC, NCUA insured. These products are not bank credit union obligations and are not endorsed, recommended, or guaranteed by any bank, credit union, or any government agency. The value of this investment may fluctuate. The return on the investment is not guaranteed and loss of principal is possible.